Grady Show on Dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios. This is Quentin, and <laughs> opening day's a day away. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, finally. Finally, we are free from our prison of no baseball. I no longer have to watch Fixer Upper and My Life in a Tiny House, even though I would almost build a tiny house as sort of like a really cool clubhouse just to watch baseball in with me and my friends and put a sign out front that says no girls allowed. But we're here, man. Like, this is it. Like, my life has begun. Man, I just want to, like, you know, there are a few things out there. Like, I'm hoping I can keep my job. I'm hoping I don't drink too much beer. You know, win or lose, we booze. That's the rule when you're a Cubs fan. I'm ready for it. I've been preparing for this all winter long. And we're here, dude. So, one of the I have to work tomorrow. Like, I had this day requested off for like three months, but I got a new job. You know, here at The Greatest Show on Dirt, we don't make money off the podcast. I make zero dollars off this podcast. I literally do it for fun. People ask me all the time, do you make money off of it? I'm like, no, and I don't really care, man. I just go online, talk about baseball, have fun with people, and do this. I got a day job. I'm, I work in marketing, and I am a copywriter, and I just got a new job with a really badass audio video company for like home audio and video, and I work in their marketing department, so I market loud stuff, right? And I started this week, so I decided not to take Thursday off because I was like, hey, I want to get a running start at this job, and I want to really do good. Like, I don't know what's gotten into me, but like that's what I'm thinking in my head. Like I'm going to do this job really good, you know, because... I like audio and video, right? You might not be able to tell because this podcast sounds shitty, but I do like it. I'm not good at it, but I love it, and I love to write, right? So it's a good job for me. But I'm sort of now regretting that decision that I made three days ago to work tomorrow because I'm going to be at work, and baseball's going to be happening And the way I picture it, I'm going to start, like, twitching uncontrollably like I'm coming off of a really heavy, like, cocaine habit. (laughs) So I hope I just don't die. Like, they might have to send me home because I'm going crazy. But listen to this, though. So my cousin sends me this, like, um, this little sick note. And it's a sick note with MLB letterhead. And all you have to do is fill your name in. Right, you know what those things are. Like when a season comes, you give your employer this note. And this says, "From MLB to whom it may concern, please excuse our friend Quentin, which is me, from work, school, or general activities. In this case, it's work. Well, kind of work. I don't really work that hard. On Thursday, March twenty eighth, is they required to be glued to the TV, rooting for their favorite team on opening day. This day really should be a holiday, but since it's not a holiday yet." We apologize for the inconvenience. Opening day should absolutely be a holiday, but I just don't know that that note's going to get it across, right? Like, we know that that's a fake note, and it's probably not going to do it. I don't think anyone can give that note to their employer. Listen, tell me what you think of this. Think of this in your head. Shout at your radio. What are the chances that I could just go out of my house tomorrow morning at like 8 a.m.? And the road that I live on, I can go like a block over and it's sort of like a main road and cars drive like 35 or 40 mile an hour down that road. Do you think I could take a hit from an automobile? I don't mean I'm not going to jump in front of a truck, but like what if there was like a Honda Civic that was going approximately 35 miles an hour? Do you think I could just jump in front of the car, let it hit me, barrel roll over the car, fall in the road, and then that way I'm out of work immediately? I you know, a new job. I, you know, I don't have health insurance right now, but I've watched a lot of World Wrestling Federation, so I think I know how to fall. And I figure if I just try to land like a baby or like an, um, like a cat, and I could just roll over it and then go to the hospital and maybe just be on bed rest all day. You know, I figure like this if I go to the ER, they're going to hook me up to an IV which is going to make me feel great because I like to drink a lot of beer when I'm playing baseball. So hook an IV to me. Makes natural sense. We're going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to get injured, but in a way get healthier and watch baseball all day. So give me the IV. But also, you have to like hook up a catheter to somebody who's like on bed rest. So I could 
essentially just watch baseball all day, have an IV hooked to me to nourish me, have a tube hooked to me so I could just pee and not move, and watch baseball from 1.05 to 10 p.m. This sounds like the best idea ever, and I just thought of this on air. This is Doc Brown hitting his head on the toilet. I have these moments every podcast. I think this is great. I'm going to go take a leap in front of our car in the morning. So if you guys don't hear from me for two weeks, you know, I, I I don't know, man. Just start a GoFundMe or something and like save me from the hospital because I might have like a couple broken legs and, uh, you know, wheelchair might be in my future. But let's do it, man. I don't know what we're going to talk about today. So let's – I wrote some stuff in a notebook. Um – Oh, boy. Okay, I, you know what I thought I might do, man, is just kind of um, talk about something sort of exciting that happened yesterday. So the San Diego Padres are going to go ahead and call up Fernando Tatis Jr., who is 20 years old, I believe. Oh, hold on. I have his age somewhere. Right on. Okay, check this out. So Fernando Tatis Jr., whose dad was Fernando Tatis, who hit uh, two grand slams in an inning for the St. Louis Cardinals, which is one of the wildest feats ever and might be the only time that ever happened. He just turned 20 in January and the Padres are going to let him play on opening day. I absolutely love this move. I think it's such a stellar move by the organization, especially an organization like the Padres. It's not been successful. You know, they haven't been to a World Series since the Tony Gwynn days, which the Padres went to a World Series against the Yankees. So that would have been like in 98, 99 or 2000. I think one of those three years. And this is just an awesome move by them. The Padres could have could have easily manipulated that service time one more year. But they're looking at it, simply put, we're ready to win right now, so let's do this thing. And I I absolutely love it. You know, this is a huge message to the fans. This is almost a thank you to the fans because the Padres, you know, have sort of not been good for a while. And this is definitely a message to the fans that says, hey, you know, come out to the park. We just signed Manny Machado for $300 million. We've got a rookie pitcher named Chris Paddock who is dynamite on the pitcher's mound. And we're going to let our guy, Fernando Tatis Jr., start the year right now in the majors and sacrifice that year of service time. Totally selfless move when every other Major League Baseball team is telling reporters that um, our guy needs to work on his defense, which just so happens to be for the first 20 days of the Major League Baseball season in AAA, right? Because uh, Vlad Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would ankle injury or he strained a quad, no matter what. He would be in AAA and wouldn't be playing because they're going to manipulate his service time. And listen, I get it. The Blue Jays aren't going to win a World Series. <laughs> the Padres aren't going to win a World Series this year either. But it's not about that, man. These teams are just looking at their Microsoft Excel spreadsheets and saying, this is an obvious answer. We need the extra year of service time. Let's do it. But there's so many moving parts and factors and these intangible pieces, right? Jason Hayward for the Chicago Cubs is unequivocally a god-awful signing when you look at a spreadsheet, right? Like, look at his numbers. Go to Jason Hayward's baseball reference page. Guy's making $184 million over six years, but can't hit a baseball as good as Kyle Hendricks, right? He can't hit a baseball as good as, like, Bartolo Colon can. <laughs> That's the equivalent. Jason Hayward hits like Bartolo Colon. They probably pitch about the same, too. So they're equal players, right? Bartolo's a free agent. Jason Hayward's a multimillionaire. But I'm not here to diss that because there's something that happens that's beyond the data and beyond the numbers. If you've listened to me talk on this podcast, you understand that I love the human element. And that's where this Fernando Tatis Jr., that's why I'm so in love with this move because there's this human element to it that not only sends a message to the fan base, but it sends a message all through the clubhouse. And what it is, it's it's upper management, it's ownership, looking at these guys in the clubhouse and saying, you're our guys, dude. We believe in you 100%, so let's do this thing all together. And that's essentially investing more money in the team by sacrificing this year of service time. I totally dig it. And 
Another thing that I think I do like is Aloy Jimenez is also going to start the season on the opening day roster for the Chicago White Sox. Now, he signed a contract, which, if I'm not mistaken, is in the six-year range for $43 million. You might have to Google that. It's approximately that. It might be exactly that. And he's signed the richest contract, I believe, for a prospect who's never actually taken a major league at bat. So, of course, if it wasn't for this contract— Chances are he'd be sitting in AAA Charlotte with the Charlotte Knights. But this is great because we've got two really good storylines coming into opening day. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the youngest player to start an opening day since Adrian Beltre did it, who was 19 and change. So, like, I love these storylines. And what's so sad about teams manipulating service time and getting away with it is they're strangling the the voice and tone of the game this beautiful thing that is the young athlete coming up and doing things that he's not supposed to do that's one of the greatest things in all of sport is to see a human being do things they're not supposed to do we saw it with Juan Soto last year and Ronald Acuna Jr. and it I mean oh my gosh you know Acuna Jr. was held back from you know his service time wasn't manipulated Acuna's was. Juan Soto's necessarily wasn't. Juan Soto got called up at 19 because Victor Robles got hurt. But Robles is going to start actually in center field for the Nationals tomorrow as well. So if you're looking at your baseball game lineup tomorrow, three really good guys I want you to look at that are rookies, Young Thundercats, Victor Robles, Aloy Jimenez, and Fernando Tatis Jr. This is a great, this is going to be a great opening day tomorrow. On top of that, you get Scherzer and DeGrom at 105. You get Blake Snell versus Justin Verlander. And this is like a battle of Cy Young winners and then their runner-ups, which is so wild. So it's going to be a great opening day. Uh, and what else do I have on my list? Oh, I want to talk to you guys about the um, all the extensions that Major League Baseball players have been signing, right? There's a little bit of a rumble that says, oh boy, like, all of these players like Kyle Hendricks, Chris Sale, Jacob deGrom, Aloy Jimenez, uh, many, and there's more that I'm forgetting because I'm on the spot and my thing's recording, but there are a lot of players. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, he signed an extension. Right? A lot of players signing these extensions. Aaron Nola signed an extension. And on the surface, there are a lot of fans out there that are like, whoa, like this is a side effect of a broken free agency system. And so a lot of these players are just getting scared and they're taking their contracts while they can get them. Case in point, Luis Severino, he also signed an extension and then got hurt like two weeks later, his rotator cuff. Man, it's a little inflamed or strained. I think it'll be fine. We'll see. And I read an article on fan graphs, right? And that's not really the case. So um, I want to read to you. I want to tell you the authors of this article real quick. So I'm going to bring it up on my computer, Dora, which is Spanish for computer. And uh, <laughs> it's, um, oh, it's on the Ringer, not fan graphs. This is a Ringer article. And the Ringer actually has a really good podcast. But Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman wrote this article about what MLB extensions sort of mean to baseball. It's a phenomenal article, man. So if you get the, the ringer, read anything that they write. It's super, you know, it's not like raunchy or raw like this podcast is. It's sort of like nerdy data stuff. That stuff is interesting. I don't say nerdy data stuff is like a derogatory comment. I love that stuff just as much as I love the fun, tell me what's going on type stuff on the surface, right? I don't throw data out the window. When I say things like throw your Excel spreadsheet and wipe your butt with it, right? These are all good things. And, you know, like truth be told, like the number of contract extensions, they've got a couple graphs on here that go from 2007 to 2019. And it pretty much analyzes total free agent years bought out by contract extensions, and then the number of contract extensions that were given that are buying out free agent years, which is what we are seeing. Contract extensions that push back free agency for players. So generally what a contract will do, like if you take Aaron Nola's contract, I believe his contract covers all of his arbitration years and two years of free agency, and probably about the same way with Alex Bregman, right? So it does 
give security to the player in the event that they get injured. You know, take a guy like Tim Lincecum, Carlos Zambrano, guys that were out early. And, you know, it, it really protects the player, right? Um, take a picture, like, back in the day, like Todd Van Poppel. Todd Van Poppel would be a guy that would want to sign an extension, kind of like Aylor Jimenez did when he was young, because he got pay- he would have got paid, and that money is security, because his career flaked out, right? So these contract extensions do really relieve the player. And, hey, you know, Kyle Hendricks' contract extension's worth... Four- 40 or 60 million, he's taken care of for life, and so are a couple generations when that money's spent correctly and invested right. But these contracts that were handed out right now, the the contract extensions that do buy out free agency years, currently that number is approximately 20, I believe is what the graph says, which is lower than what it was in 2016 and 17 which is lower than it was in 2013 and 14. Essentially, there have been less contract extensions that buy out free agency this year than there were in from 2007 to 2014. Those were big years for contract extensions, and we weren't at home griping about, oh, we got a free agency problem because people aren't spending. So you should not be afraid of these contract extensions and maybe it's sort of creating like unrest with the players, further unrest with the players. I'm not saying the players are happy, but this doesn't really seem to be smoke that is showing us the way to a fire that's getting, getting bigger. This These contract extensions don't make the tensions really any worse based on these numbers because the amount of contract extensions are lower than they've been in previous years. So it's not so much of a bad thing. Is there still a lot of work that'll need to be done? There is 100%. And I, honestly, the more I think about it, I think I do trust the process of, you know, the agreement's crappy now between the Players Union and Major League Baseball. I really do think it'll get fixed because I think that, I think that both parties just know that, you know, like a strike could not happen. But you know, contract extensions, obviously every contract extension this offseason has been phenomenal. Like some of my favorite contract extensions, Alex Bregman. Do I love Alex Bregman? And I think he could be a top five MVP guy this season. Obviously, Nolan Arenado's contract extension was huge because he's the best third baseman in all of baseball. Mike Schmidt says that Nolan Arenado is likely to be the best third baseman ever. And Mike Schmidt was a pretty good dude at the hot corner. Big deal. Um, Kyle Hendricks, obviously the Cubs got a phenomenal deal on him. He's a workhorse. He can throw you about 190, 199 innings. His ERA over the past like four seasons is probably top five in the whole entire National League. So that's good stuff. Obviously the Cardinals locking up Goldschmidt. You know, maybe Goldschmidt can jump out in front of a car. I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm a Cubs fan. I don't want my guys pitching to Paul Goldschmidt. He's going to hit home. He's going to hit so many home runs off you, Darvish. It's not even going to be funny. I think you, Darvish, should just plonk him or walk him when he comes to the plate. I'm not really too sure what to say about that. Um, other contract extensions I did. Dude, the Air Nola contract extension, dude. I'm going to actually, let's just start this now. I wanted to. Go real quick into like what my picks are to like go to the World Series, win a Cy Young, win an MVP. These are picks that are completely uneducated. <laughs> so, no, I no, I take that back. These are educated picks, right? I, I watch a ton of baseball, right? I watch baseball while I'm driving down the road. I watch baseball anytime I'm in a bathroom until my legs fall asleep. I do what I can with baseball. You don't watch baseball in church, at weddings. I'm an avid, avid fan, right? I might need marriage counseling in the next two years, but I'm an avid fan. Truth be told, my wife loves baseball more than me. But, dude, let's get to this, man. So my World Series picks for this season, in the American League, I really think that the Houston Astros are going to make it. And the reason why I say the Houston Astros, you want to, like, I I just improved that answer right now because, you know, coming into this when I knew I was going to record, I wanted to say that the New York Yankees would do it because of all of the obvious factors. But I really worry about the New York Yankees starting pitching. And I don't love, I don't really love their starters. 
I don't really love the Houston Astros starters either. I mean, obviously, you have Verlander and Garrett Cole, so those guys are lights out. But, man, something just tells me when things line up with, like, Altuve, Correa, Bregman. I mean, there's there's really some dangerous stuff out there. Man, maybe I do want to pick the New York Yankees. It's got to be, okay, it has to be one of those two teams that goes to the World Series. I think I'm going to go with the Astros, man. I just, uh Something tells me, man, I just like the Astros. I don't love, I don't think the Yankees have one number one starter. I think they just have a bunch of number threes. And when you look at the Astros, they're going to run away with their division no matter what. So I think they'll have an easier time in the regular season with the Yankees will because the Yankees have to battle the Red Sox. And what makes me nervous is the Red Sox are going to win that division again, possibly because of their starting pitching. Right, because I like Boston starting pitching better, but then Boston has a crappy bullpen. Where's their bullpen at? Craig Kimbrell's sitting at home, you know, combing his Irish-looking beard and preparing to churn butter with the rest of his Amish family members. Right, he's not playing baseball. And at this point, I would not sign Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keiko because they've just missed too much time. I, I want no part of him, especially for their asking price. Um. But yeah, I, th- I think I got the Astros. If I really have to pick, I'll pick the Astros to go to the World Series. And then in the National League, oh boy. This one's a tough one. Then I, you, I Last season, I picked the Washington Nationals to win the uh, National League pennant. And it would be weird to make that pick now because they lost Bryce Harper. But this team is too loaded. And obviously... Everything is contingent upon a team being healthy, but the Washington Nationals have what could be one of the best outfields in all of baseball, which will look like, I believe, Juan Soto in right field, Victor Robles in center, and Adam Eaton in left field. Those are stud horses all the way around. If Anthony Rendon stays healthy this season, he's a seven or an eight-win player that'll get MVP votes. Trey Turner is a stud shortstop. He's a stud on the base pass. End of story, 100%. Obviously, you've got Ryan Zimmerman and Matt Adams that can both play first base. Second base for the Nationals, maybe that's Howie Kendrick, Wilmer Defoe. Mm. So maybe that's like their weakest spot. But then you look at their starting rotation and where the Yankees look like they have all number threes. It's sort of like the Nationals look like they have a bunch of number ones. Like Max Scherzer is the scariest pitcher in all of baseball. I don't know if you gave me a thousand bucks if I would get in the batter's box and let Max Scherzer throw me a fastball as hard as he can while he's just grunting and just letting it go. Dude, I don't think I would do it. I think I would bail and be like, keep your thousand dollars. I'm going to go home and live for the rest of my life. Like, I want no part of that. And then Patrick Corbin did crazy things last year. Phenomenal lefty. Then. Big contingent on Steven Strasburg being healthy, but if that thing pulls together, man, the the Washington Nationals in the National League, dude, could be dangerous, could be dangerous. I like them a little better than the Padres because of that start, or a little better than the Phillies because of that starting pitching. If the Chicago Cubs get Hugh Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, and John Lester on full power, then they, they will probably win the National League pennant. But, dude... Maybe it's going to be the team that's bullpen pulls it together because the Nationals don't really have a star bullpen. The Cubs don't really. I'd say the Cardinals have a really good bullpen because of Andrew Miller and Jordan Hicks, so that's like something to look at. But maybe my World Series picks, man, I'll just put it now as the Astros and the Washington Nationals. Oh, that could be totally wrong because I really want to pick the Yankees. Um, My Cy Young picks... For 2019, dude, I love, love Aaron Nola in the National League. So that's kind of my guy. I saw what he did last year, and it was just phenomenal. He, you know, no starting pitcher had a bigger impact on his team than what Aaron Nola did because he carried that team and put it on his back, put them on his back. And, you know, the the Philly slumped last year with the bats. You know, because they were in first place, I think, in August, and then things went south. And then, so Aaron Nola probably didn't have a lot of run support or consistent run support, and maybe didn't have a, definitely 
didn't have a good defense playing behind him. If those things are improved, which I think they're going to be, because they got Gene Segura at short, Reese Hoskins is back at his natural position. You have JT Real Muto catching. You know, there have been good things that have happened with that team, dude. So I love Nola for the National League Cy Young. The American League Cy Young, dude, I've been pretty hardcore on Trevor Bauer. Dude, I like what he does. He's uh, He plays with a grit and a determination that that is unmatched. He's super smart, and he knows he's super smart. He has relentless confidence. He's unshakable. And he's one of the guys that he's sort of the nationally version of Max Scherzer, which if you take Max Scherzer and Trevor Bauer and you compare them to another athlete, they're sort of like Mike Tyson in their prime. You know, when Mike Tyson's like, I'm literally going to try to punch your nose through the back of your head. And that's what he's thinking. Mike Tyson's mental dominance in a boxing ring was like 70 obviously his physical abilities were nuts but there's this mental part to any athletic endeavor that will take that athlete and push them well over everybody and obviously Max Scherzer has that but Trevor Bauer has that he's sort of he's like a smart asshole and um and he knows it and his mental game upstairs no nobody can hang with him right now so you know Bauer's a guy I like in the AL and then oh rookie of the years you know rookie of the years in each league I haven't thought of a whole lot you know obviously do my favorite rookie in the American League is Aloy Jimenez it's he's pretty he's projected per steamer do I think bat like 293 and hit about 25 home runs. I think he'll bat less than 293, but I think he can he can be a 30 home run guy. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a stud horse. Eloy Jimenez numbers have always looked better, I think, offensively, but Fernando Tatis Jr. is a shortstop, and I think he's a really good shortstop, and he's a big dude. So, you know, when you talk about rookie of the year, you have to bring that defense into play, and definitely Fernando Tatis Jr. plays at a real meaningful position. But I think with the bat, you know, I'm going to go Aloy Jimenez to win that rookie of the year for sure in the American League. In the National League, boy, I just really don't know. You know, you sort of have Victor Robley. Oh, crap. Do you realize what I just did? Fernando Tatis plays in the National League, and Aloy Jimenez plays in the American League. Those are your two rookies of the year then. Fernando Tatis is going to win it for the National League. Aloy Jimenez is going to win it for the American League. That's 100%. Oh, boy, that was almost a flub up there. Yikes. Oh, dude, you know what I just forgot? I didn't say anything about most valuable players. I don't think I said MVP. Okay, so my National League MVP is I'm all in on Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is your National League MVP, dude. I love it. He's going to rake. He's a great defender. Um... Chris Bryant's my pick, dude, and for no other reason other than he's a phenomenal hitter. He was hurt last year. He's going to be prime this year. Last year, before he got injured, he was at a pace that matched his MVP season probably a little bit better. You got a guy that'll hit like 295, 299, maybe low 300s this year. He'll hit 40 home runs, drive in 95 or 100, and is a really good defender at third base. It's going to be him or Nolan Arenado for the National League MVP. I'm not really looking outside of those two guys at all for the National League MVP, man. For the American League MVP, I'm probably going to say Mike Trout on this one. And I know, dude, that's such... Almost like a cop-out answer because, like, he's consistently a 10-win player. And the only thing that makes me second-guess Mike Trout as an MVP is because Mookie Betts, I sort of take, like, Mookie Betts for granted because, like, I'm not a Red Sox fan. I didn't watch a ton of of Red Sox baseball last year, but I know the team was phenomenal and like they won a World Series. And it's like Mookie Betts was the only good guy in that team. He had like Mookie and JD and like Chris Sale pitching. You know, they had a really good offense. Andrew Benatendi. I mean, they've got guys that can hit, you know. You've got like Steve Pierce. I mean, it's a good team and they won a World Series based off a of team effort, right? But like 
I don't know if that has anything to do with like me not realizing what Mookie Betts did, but check this out. Last season, Mookie Betts, he only played in 136 games. He missed time because he was hurt. He won a batting title, which he he led. So he led the league in batting at 346. He led all of baseball in slugging at 640. He's 5'9 and 180 pounds. And he was drafted in the fifth round. And I think Theo Epstein was still there when they drafted because that was in 2011, right? And I read this in Tom Verducci's book, The Cubs Way. When they drafted Mookie Betts, when the Boston Red Sox did, they drove to Nashville and they tested Mookie with this like electronic game thing that tested his reaction time. And it was off the charts. So they drafted him in the fifth round, but they knew how good he was. They just knew that they could wait to pick him because nobody knew what they knew, right? And so to look at his size and say, oh my God, the guy slugged 640. So he was MVP last year, won a batting title. He was a silver slugger. If it, if he didn't miss the time that he missed, he's probably a 40 home run guy and he's damn near a guy that's a 40-40 guy. Last year, he stole 30 bases and hit 32 home runs in 136 games. So if he's healthy all year, I mean, he's at least a 35-35 guy. And a 40-40 season is so impressive because the guys that did it, their seasons were just astronomically good. Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Alfonso Soriano, those might be the only three guys that do it. 40-40 season is such an amazing feat, and Mookie Betts is in that category of doing so, and it's because he runs a 438 on base, so he gets on base a lot. He was only caught stealing six times, so with the batting average and the slugging, you're seeing greatness, unparalleled greatness that does not happen a whole lot. Your chances of seeing a guy as good as Mookie Betts are the same chances of you getting sucked in the ground by quicksand off the never-ending story. Like, that's those are equal. Those occurrences are equal in the percentage of them happening. Sucked in quicksand, find a player as good as Mookie Betts, you're probably going to get sucked in quicksand first, so just prepare for that. You know, it wasn't as scary as we thought it was when we were kids. But on top of that, dude, he was an 11-win player. He was approximately a 10.9 war, 8.7 offensive war, and nearly a two-win player on defense. These are mind-boggling, mind-boggling. He's that good of a player. And his last year, that season, he it was his age 25 season. So he's getting in his prime where he's 26, 27, 28, 29, like these prime years. And it's likely those prime years could be batting titles and slugging and Dare I say, maybe a 40-40 season. That's what you could almost see with Mookie Betts. So when I look at all of that stuff and just the amazing athlete that he is, dude, I'm I'm going Mookie Betts. So my MVPs are Mookie and Chris Bryant. I, I feel confident in those. Much more confident than my World Series picks, which will probably change next week. All right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, The Athletic talked to Major League players anonymously make sure they get the right answers. And they asked all these major league players questions like who's the most overrated player? Who's the most underrated player? Who's the most dangerous hitter that you don't want to face? So on and so forth. One of the wildest answers, dude, who was the, they asked major league baseball players. They surveyed like a third of the league. So it's a pretty significant amount of guys that answered this poll. When asked who is the most overrated player in the league, Bryce Harper was number one as voted the most overrated player in the league at 62%. The second place guy was Marcus Stroman. He got 4.1% of the vote. Bryce Harper is a runaway steal for overrated player, man. And I don't I don't know how I feel about that, man. For me, Bryce Harper, it's like this weird double-edged sword because I see, listen, I see his baseball reference page, right? I've seen his wins above replacement, right? He had a nine-win, or God, a 10-win season in 2015. But then, like last year, he was worth 1.3 war, which... Okay, like, so be it, but his past two seasons with the bat have been good. He's a 4.2 
offensive war guy. That's a top hitter in Major League Baseball. His OPS plus last year was 133. He's 33% better than your average hitter. That's not probably worth $330 million, but I don't agree that Bryce Harper is overrated. I don't think I do, right? I'm going to unpack this right now. To me, Barry, Barry, the Barry Bonds treatment, dude, that's a great way to judge a hitter, and it's like when pitchers face particular hitters, they're just sort of like, fuck it. I'm not pitching to this guy, and I'm just going to give him junk and see what happens. Take a guy like Mike Trout. He's such a good, disciplined hitter, and he's not really a hothead. He's pretty even-keeled, dude. So that trash, he's not really going to mess with, right? Bryce Harper, he, Bryce Harper hits, Bryce Harper plays baseball like Ricky Bobby drives a NASCAR. He's straight up, if you're not first, you're last, right? So if Bryce Harper's not hitting a home run, he's slamming into the wall, his car's on fire, and he's running around in his underwear saying, Oprah Winifrey and Tom Cruise, save me with your voodoo magic Scientology powers. That's Bryce Harper, man. Did you see him hit last year? Dude, he's, he got walked. Uh, he led the league in walks, right? 130 walks. And like... What happens with Bryce is his batting average was so low at one point last year because he was just trying to hit the ball. Like, he does not want to take a walk. And, hell, I don't blame him, man. I want to hit the baseball. And but he's so determined to win. Like, he's just like, I got to hit this baseball. And he just swings at junk. And, like, I don't blame him, dude. Like, I get it, man. Oh, Bryce isn't a disciplined hitter, so he strikes out a lot. And... You know, this and that or the other, and he was batting like 215 at the All-Star break. Dude, stop with all of like the the data and the numbers and like, he should have just taken his walks because what's going to be best for the team? Okay, I get it, right? If he would have walked 160 times, that would have been best for the team. But like, dude, go back to Little League, right? Do you just want to take a walk? You're playing junior high ball in high school. Do you want to take a walk? Hell no. You want to rake, son. You want to hit a home run. You want to run the bases and get dirty. I don't come out here to walk. I didn't sit through spring training, and I'm not sitting out here in the hot July heat with my thighs caked in baby powder so stuff doesn't rub together to take a walk and trot down to first base. Hell no. I'm looking to hit, man. So, do I think Bryce Harper's overrated? Dude, 100% not overrated. And I get it, dude. Like, one of the comments in this survey was it's all about marketing and star power. That's a lot of it, right? But Bryce Harper's a star in this league for a reason. And truth be told, you can't just be a shitty player and have marketing save your ass and be like this $330 million contract guy and have the best-selling jersey in the first 48 hours ever on, like, Fanatics, right? Those things don't just happen, right? People who watch Bryce Harper see him, and they're like, dude, that's a dangerous hitter right there. He's destructive. He, if you ain't first, you're last, man. He he damages pitchers' morales. He probably puts guys into retirement. I would imagine pitchers are going home at night just, like, Staring down the bottle of Jack Daniels, being like, dude, what am I going to do with my life? I can't face this guy tomorrow. Like, maybe I'm injured and need to hit the 10-day DL. Those are dangerous things, man. And Bryce Harper swing, not the booze. So I look at this, and I'm not inclined to agree with it. I would imagine it's really easy for other major leaguers to say that Bryce Harper is overrated because of how he carries himself and how he's been looked at, right? Major League Baseball players aren't going to like you when you're in the clubhouse saying, oh, that's a clown question, bro. Dude, that's a that's a joke of a response, man. You're not going to make a lot of friends when you're in the clubhouse being a complete douchebag, right? Jonathan Papelbon put you in a headlock and choked you. Choked him like... The Giant on Monday Night Nitro in a clubhouse of Major League Baseball players. I bet Pabobon choked him because Bryce was being a douchebag. When you're 19 years old 
when you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated when you're 16, bro, you're going to be the biggest douchebag ever. I get it. But you can't discount, you know, what Bryce Harper currently is because he was a douche when he was 19. Dude, when I was 19, I was knocking over mailboxes with bricks, right? We would steal shopping carts from the local Toys R Us because I lived in southern Illinois, so it was out in the country. So the mall was basically out in the country. So we would take shopping carts from Toys R Us, hold them out to the side of our car, drive like 90, and throw a shopping cart into a mailbox. That's what I did when I was 19. And look at me. I have a successful podcast. So when you look at Bryce Harper, just know that success is coming, right? But what I'm saying is this, dude. Bryce Harper has been a completely different person with signing for Philly. He's com- he's mature. He's grateful. And Bryce does not have to be those things to get approval. I don't believe. If Bryce Harper wants to continue to be a douchebag, so be it, man. Be this enigmatic like athlete that no one understands and do great things and be a superstar. What you've been doing is pretty good up to this point, my man. But stop looking at Bryce Harper like he's this 19-year-old jerk. You know, always, here's one of the things, Bryce Harper got, overwhelmingly, he was the most overrated player voted, but he also got a ton of votes for being like one of the most dangerous hitters that you don't want to face, so somewhere in there, like he's starting to break away from the douchebag character that he's looked at to a guy that can that can really hit. You know, he got votes for being one of the most intimidating hitters in baseball. Obviously, Mike Trout and Aaron Judge were the top two guys in that category. But, you know, it's not completely lost on all, you know, major league players what Bryce Harper is. But that's just simply going to be a hard thing to shake. But also, because Bryce Harper is so famous, you could compare him to like Tom Brady or LeBron James. Nobody just has nonchalant opinions about LeBron James. They either love LeBron or hate him. And I swear on a daily basis, I run into most people that do not like LeBron James to the point where you're just like, well, who the hell likes LeBron James? And most of the time, my Facebook post, when I post anything on Facebook about Bryce Harper, Dude, the responses are not pretty. People do not love Bryce Harper. And it's sort of like having a bad experience at like a store, right? You're when when you have a bad experience, your brain releases like a hundred times the hormone that triggers that like pissed offness than it does when you have a good experience. And you see that in surveys, right? You're If you have a great experience in a restaurant, you're going to be like, dude, I'm going to leave a survey. But you're just going to go home fat and happy and relax in the bliss of having a great meal because your endorphins make it feel like you just snorted 10 lines of Coke. But that bad experience, I'm about to let you have it. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of these votes is – they're, 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 they want to talk about this bad experience that they had with Bryce Harper because they call him say they they look they saw him say this or do that you know when Bryce Harper at the beginning of last season came out in that press conference and was straight up like listen if you guys want to talk about my contract the, 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 there's the door and I'm gonna walk out of it dude it was like he just bumbled his way through that it's like he tried to prep this badass statement but he came off as just someone who wasn't confident and who was also a complete douchebag like I hated that comment too but he's a he was he's a kid man he's young so I mean his performance on the field do I think he's overrated dude I think this season you're gonna see a Bryce Harper that you've not seen before I think you're going to see one that could outperform his 2015 MVP season, and I think he's going to influence that Phillies lineup in ways that no other player can because I stand by what I say, man. Nobody affects one through nine in the order like Bryce Harper does because he's just so dominant. He shakes pitchers. He forces pitchers to change their game plan, and before you know it, Bryce is drawing walks, and Reese Hoskins is hitting two-run home runs, man. That's sort of what it's going to be. Um, other, I've... I've got this list, man, because I have the, an athletic subscription, so you can't just click to it and read it because you have to have a subscription. Major League Baseball players think Nolan Arenado is the best defensive player in the game. They're probably right. 
Anthony Rendon is one of the most underrated players in the game, which I just talked about on this podcast. That, that's, that's a good choice for that, I would say for sure. Um, the funniest teammate you've ever had. Major League Baseball players think Kike Hernandez is funny. They obviously haven't watched the video of Andrew McCutcheon getting crop dusted in an elevator. Andrew McCutcheon is by far the funniest player in Major League Baseball. You guys don't know what you're talking about. Manager that players would most likely want to play for, Joe Madden. They like that he gives his players autonomy. They dig it. The manager that players would least want to play for, Gabe Kapler. Not shocked. Would not want to play for Gabe Kapler, man. He's a weirdo. Gabe Kapler is, he's got the aura of a cult leader, like a hardcore one that's like, drink the Kool-Aid, let's put on our Nike tennis shoes, let's go to sleep together, and we're going to wake up on the planet Zoltron and have eternal life. Those are weird things, man. You know, he's a mix between... He's a mix between Barack Obama and Charles Manson because he's very well-spoken, but like, dude, he might ask you to murder somebody. Gabe Kapler's a weird dude, man. And so, like, that's cool. I probably believe that people might not want to play for him a whole lot. Oh, that's probably about all the cool stuff on that article. Dude, the most intimidating pitcher in the game, Max Scherzer, obviously won that vote. Right? Like I just said, I would not take a grand to get in the box with him. Dude, he's scary. Watch him on the mound. Watch watch Max Scherzer on the mound talk to himself, okay? And then watch The Exorcist <laughs> when that little girl is, she she's possessed by a demon. What's her name on that movie? Riley or something? Dude, watch Max Scherzer. Watch The Exorcist. There's a lot of similarities there. That's all I'm saying, and I don't know. Um, he's like sort of like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, man. There's a lot of scariness that's going on inside of Max Scherzer's head, man. He's by far the most intimidating pitcher, dude. I, dude, Max Scherzer's gonna be like the baddest ass old man, dude. He's gonna be so grumpy and cranky and angry, dude. It's great, but a Max Scherzer interview when he's not in game mode, dude, it's like the nicest guy ever. But when you get him into game mode, it's like a gremlin at 8 past midnight, dude. It's like a werewolf in a full moon's out. He'll eat your face. Like, I, I think it's possible. Max Scherzer might need a full psychiatric evaluation before, like, I let him pitch to me. Like, if I, if I was Patrick Corbin, one of my first questions before I signed with the Nationals would be like, hey, man, so Max Scherzer, like, is he safe? Like, is he a safe dude? Like, can I trust him, like, with my life? Like, are we cool with that? Like, if we ran proper background checks, dude, he's a scary dude, man. Love him, man. Um, other guys, dude, this one's funny. There were other guys that received multiple votes for being the most intimidating pitcher. Rolled as Chapman, obviously. Chris Sale's a scary dude. One of the funniest votes I saw was, like, Dellen Batances. Like, I don't know if Dellen Batances got votes because he's truly an intimidating pitcher in the sense of, like, his stuff is really good or because he's like 6'8", 290, and like, could throw the ball anywhere at any given moment. Like, Dylan Batances is truly a mix between Aroldis Chapman and Rick Ankiel when he got the yips. Like, I don't know where that ball's going, man. Like, he's like Randy Johnson when he threw to John Cruck in the All-Star game. Like, Dylan Batances could throw a baseball, and it could go anywhere, dude. It could go a country mile. It could go in the catcher's glove. It could go right in your head. It could go through the backstop. It's scary. That's a guy literally, like, obviously, if you paid me $1,000, I would get in the batter's box and let Max Scherzer throw a fastball. Because it's Max Scherzer. He is a professional pitcher. Dellen Batances, absolutely not. I really, really mean when I say if you gave me $1,000, $2,000 even, and you were like, get in the batter's box and let Dellen Batances throw you three fastballs and strike you out. And he's going to throw them as hard as he can. He's going to pretend that you are Mike Trout, and he's just going to throw heat. Yep, you see me? You see this booty? Watch it walk on down the road. Keep your $2,000, and I'll keep my life, right? There's not a helmet strong enough for me to go in and take that pitch. Dylan Batances is scary. I mean, yeah, that's it, man. That's uh, the most intimidating hitter obviously went to Mike Trout. I think I already said that. I'm going to be done recording, man. Um... 
I have to work tomorrow on opening day, so you probably won't hear from me much during the day. But dudes, just enjoy opening day, man. It's probably the best day of the year. I think um, it's pretty much a run between like Christmas, Halloween, and opening day. I think I put like Christmas one, opening day two. I love Christmas, man. What can I say, dude? I love to eat sweets and get fat and get presents. Um, but yeah, dude, just enjoy the day, man. Chill out. Watch a ton of baseball. I think I'm going to just probably watch replays of everything when I get off work. But it's going to be great, man. So it's a full tilt tomorrow. Everybody plays Friday. A lot of teams are off. Then Saturday, everybody's playing again. And I'm excited to see what's going on, man. A ton of storylines. You know, you've got the Yankees who are loaded up with some new starters. You know, can the Red Sox defend? I think a huge question is what the National League Central is going to look like. But also, what are the San Diego Padres going to look like? Chris Paddock, I don't know if he's starting for him, but he's a really good rookie pitcher who had a great spring and is the real deal number one. I look at the St. Louis Cardinals with Jack Flaherty, who could end up being the best pitcher in the National League. Uh, You know, Citizens Bank Park is going to go nuts tomorrow when Bryce Harper comes to the dish. And we just wonder if this is the beginning of Mike Trout's third MVP season. You know, we'll see. But otherwise, thanks for listening. Have a phenomenal day. Enjoy your baseball. And we shall talk soon. Thanks, guys. Take care.